Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy, and thanks for joining us today, February 19th, on No Greater Delight, our podcast on Marian Feast and Marian Meditations. Well, today we have a great number of feasts, but first and foremost, we should celebrate Notre Dame de Misericordie in Pelé-Sauvigne in Indre-Centre, France. We had mentioned this earlier um, on February 14th because we said that was the first apparition to Estelle Feguet um, when she was dying. Uh, that took place on February 14th, 1876. But today we have the miracle, right? Um, so what happened? What's the story here? Well, the 33-year-old domestic worker, Estelle Feguet, uh, had a whole bunch of different ailments, tuberculosis, peritonitis, and an abdominal tumor, right? So Our Lady first appeared to her on February 14th, but on the night of February 18th and 19th, Mary appeared to Estelle for the fifth time, right? Along with a tile saying, I called to Mary in the depths of my despair. She pleaded with her son for me and gained my total healing for me. So after the apparition, Estelle felt great suffering followed by a complete healing, right? She would experience 10 more apparitions of Our Lady that year. And on September 9th, Mary revealed the white scapular of the Sacred Heart, on which she is surrounded by roses, a sort of rain coming from her outstretched hand. These apparitions of Pelevocin were approved in 1894. Uh, Freguet lived until 18, uh, 1929. Her grave in Pelevocin is just as uh, says simply, be simple, right? So the Shrine of Our Lady of Mercy celebrates her healing on February 19th, and there's a great pilgrimage that takes place on the last weekend of August, right? So we also celebrate uh, Our Lady of Sorrows de Campiveri in Civitade al Piano in Bergamo in Italy. So what is this about? Well, in 1630, in order to remember all the inhabitants of the town who had died because of the plague, in the area of Campiveri, an oratory was built where there was an image painted of Our Lady of Sorrows. Uh, she's next to the crucifix, uh, the, the crucifix with Saints Rocco and Sebastian, right? Uh, of that little chapel, there's not really anything left, right? Because a new shrine was built um, between 1893 and 1894 on the same place, right? What's left, though, of that original shrine is um, is a little is a rock, right, with an, a Latin inscription that's off to the side, right? But that image of Our Lady that was painted, were painted was, was actually saved, right? Because they put it in the high altar of the new shrine, right? And this was constructed uh, right away after a miraculous event that took place on February 19th, 1896. So today in 1892, 1892. So a young girl of seven, Francesca Pagani, uh, went to the church, it's at the old building, right? It wasn't the new church yet, to pray for her father and her sister who were sick. Um, and she sees in the like in the area two men who are dressed in black, right? Who were reading a book in front of the crucifix, crucifix, right? Uh, so the girl like calls their attention, and they look at her lovingly, right? So then she prays, right? And then she goes back home and tells everything to her mom, but her mom doesn't think anything about it. So the following day at three in the afternoon, the little girl returns to pray again, and she notes that the image of Our Lady of Sorrows is covered with sweat. Right, so she points this out to two men who are passing by, who look at it and they say, "Like kid, that's a bad sign." Right, so the girl stayed there though, and then she saw another woman pass by, Maria uh, Bertorelli Catania, and she called her to look at it and say, "Like, look, this is what's going on." Right, 
Um, so then this woman convinced her mother to come to the chapel and see the Madonna, the, crucif- the, cru- the crucifixion, and the saints. Everybody was sweating. Um, and this actually happened in the following days too, right? Always from three until five, right? Um, so yes, even the, the parish pastor, the mayor, and one of the local engineers came and looked at it. Um, and they couldn't find any natural exp- uh, explanation for the sweat, which was as shiny as the dew, right? And there's many, many different uh, healings that have taken place there. So the shrine celebrates today, February 19th, as the, the Feast of the Miracle, right? And it's that miracle that gave rise to the new shrine that was built afterwards. Okay, February 19th is also the day when the city of, um, of Florence made a vow to the Annunciation, right? So in the 13th century, um, Florence was a flourishing city, not only because of like economic conditions, but also because there was a strong faith. Uh, and in particular, they had a singular devotion to the Blessed Mother. So on February 19th, 1394, the, the authorities of Florence made a vow that they would all go together for Mass every year on March 25th and um, give an offer to Our Lady in the name of all, the whole city as a, as a sign of gratitude for all the many graces she had given to the inhabitants of the city of Florence. Whether they still keep that vow each year, I don't know. I know the little town I work in has a vow too, officially to give a, a nice golden chalice to the cathedral every year on the feast of St. Lirano. Um, we have not seen a new chalice in many, many years, but be that as it may. Uh, last but not least, the Abbot Orsini reminds us that today they celebrate Our Lady of Good Tidings, Olympides, uh, France, or near Rouen, right? All he says is that a great number of people are seen there, particularly on Saturdays, right? Um, again, why they celebrate today, I don't know. Abbot Orsini doesn't explain. But it, we can talk about the story a little bit, right? It was on December 23rd, 1563, when the Bishop of Luçon, uh, Jean-Baptiste Thierchelin, consecrated the church under the patronage of the Blessed Mother, known as uh, Notre-Dame de Bonne Nouvelle, Our Lady of Good Tidings, right? Which is interesting because it was a difficult time then in 1563, right? There's the Reformation going on, religious wars, you know, all these different things. Um, but the pilgrimages to Notre-Dame de Bonne Nouvelle continued undisturbed, right? Um, many people actually go there in procession, especially children, who come each year to ask Mary for perseverance after their first communion. So that is what we celebrate in the Marian world today, February 19th. For today's meditation, we're going to continue with the Marian Reflections, the Angelus Messages of Pope John Paul II. This was a book edited by Father David Brown. And today's Angelus Address is the one from September 18th, 1983, where John Paul the Great talks about Mary, Mother of Consolation. So let's hear what he has to say. Consoler of the Afflicted. Here is another dimension of Mary's motherly presence in the Church and in the world. Consolation, according to the teachings of the Old Testament, has its origins in God, who pours it out upon all his creatures. When the Lord leads the exiles back to Palestine, he will make Jerusalem the sanctuary of his consolation. In the heart of the holy city, all the people will be gathered, and each one will be able to experience God's tenderness. In this regard, the divine message, expressed by the prophet Isaiah, poetically uses feminine images. Jerusalem is compared to a mother who nurses her infant and surrounds them with loving care. Oh, that you may suck fully of the milk of her comfort, that you may nurse with delight at her abundant breasts, 
As nurslings you shall be carried in her arms and fondled in her lap. Passing on then to its application, this symbolic language is interpreted in the following words. As a mother comforts her son, so will I comfort you. In Jerusalem you shall find your comfort. And the Messiah, in the expectation of the chosen people, was to be the consolation of Israel. With Christ's redemptive work, a new Jerusalem is born, that is, the church. In this family, God's love, becoming tangible in the heart of Christ, consoles, fondling in his lap, as it were, every person coming into the world. And speaking of the church, the discourse uniquely touches the Virgin Mary, who is the mother of the church and the perfect model of the Lord's disciples. With the same overflowing charity with which she takes care of the brethren of her son, God, rich in mercy, gives to us, so to speak, the motherly outpouring of his consolation. As I wrote in the encyclical Dives in Misericordia, it was precisely this merciful love, which is manifested above all in contact with moral and physical evil, that the heart of her who was the mother of the crucified and risen one shared in singularly and exceptionally that Mary shared in. In her and through her, this love continues to be revealed in the history of the Church and of humanity. Brothers and sisters, you realize this already. In order, to worthily, in order to worthily venerate the Holy Virgin as the Mother of Consolation, we must appear before the world as crystal clear signs of God's consolation. It must not escape anyone how in our Christian communities human dignity is promoted, protected, and redeemed in the event it has been degraded. In the words of the Apostle, let our commitment be to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. For this task, may Mary still be our inspiring model, she who was present at the happiness of the marriage of Cana and at the tragedy of Calvary.